G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. We're going to be talking about Aussie men and we'll talk about forming a battle-ready brotherhood. We might be surprised, but men today have uh, perhaps hundreds of acquaintances, but most have no real friends. Typically, Aussie men are isolated and the struggle for purpose Relationships and career are so often done alone and without God. Well, our special guest today says most men go into the battles of their life with no covering fire. He says biblical manhood is a battlefield and every man needs a battle buddy. David Dusek leads Rough Cut Men. He is to be the keynote speaker for the Men's Summit 23 on the 20th of May in Sydney. He's a frequent keynote speaker at men's conferences worldwide, and he's the author of the book Rough Cut Men, A Man's Battle Guide to Building Relationships with Each Other and with Jesus. David Jusek, let me make a special welcome along to 2020. Hello there, Neil. Hey, David, let's spend a few moments just talking about you and the ministry that you lead uh, you are uh, leading, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're talking uh, through all sorts of issues around rough-cut men. What does that mean? You're talking about the raw edition of what a man is. Give us your insights here. Well, I'll give you a little bit of background about the name. Um, a lot of people just immediately interpret rough-cut men as being this rough, you know, lumberjack, you know, slinging dirt type person with a shovel in their hand. And uh, or a warrior, and that's really not the where the name, the genesis of the name came from the movie industry. Uh, the rough cut of a movie is the first raw, unedited version of a film before they put in sound effects and do any editing and do any Foley work, sound effect work. Um, and since we use movie clips predominantly as our, our vehicle of discussion, they're parables almost, um, it aligns up with what the Bible says in Philippians 1, 6, that we're confident that he's going to finish the work that he, he's going to carry this work on to completion that he began. So every guy uh, and every woman, we're a work in progress. We are, you know, sanctification is a lifelong process until we get to the, the foot of the cross or until we get to Jesus in the throne room. And that's really what it's all about. And we deal with issues using Hollywood action movies as parables. Uh, we deal with friendlessness, support the need for encouragement, the need for accountability, which is a, a horribly maligned word in the world of church. Uh, accountability conjures up these images of other people scrolling through your internet history or asking you what you're thinking about. And really, that's not the textbook definition of accountability, is really giving permission to another man to hold you to account anytime your words or actions don't line up with who you say you are in Christ. And you've, you, you can't get mad at them because you've given them permission uh, to, to call you out if, if something doesn't line up. And then we deal with things like legacy and uh, a really big one is soul wounding, 
Uh, some ministries talk about father wounding, but I think it's much deeper than that. Uh, there are things that people have spoken over us as men uh, that we carry through our life as, a, as almost a truth source, even though most of the time it's an abject lie of the enemy. And we carry these things through life. You know, uh, no one ever told me that they loved me or my dad always told me I was worthless. Or these, And these have become a reality. So we confront those head on as well. And then it, we kind of culminate it uh, with legacy. You know, what, are we leaving footprints that are worth walking in? And if we're not, let's let's do our best to reconcile those relationships as best we can before the Lord calls us home. So it's a very systematic approach to it, but it's a lot of fun. Um, the ministry's been around since 2006. Um, we've been doing this full time for 17 years now at this point. And I've been I've spoken in all 50 states, and this will actually be our I believe this is going to be my 15th trip to Australia since 2015. So we're in your country a lot because we have a real heart for the men of Australia and God just keeps opening doors and we just run through them. And you've got three visits to Australia already planned this year. This first one coming up just a few weeks away. David, let me just touch on the way you do cut through into an audience of men. You're standing before an audience of men You've got a little bit of technology that is supporting the presentation that you do because you like to make your presentation to men an interactive experience and you're using sure. film, you're using movie sequences. Tell us about how that works. Well, they're, they're often integrated and, and it's, not a, a, it's not a long segment of a particular movie. It's just something that as I was raising, I raised five kids and as we were raising these kids, we watched a lot of movies. We couldn't go to the to the cinema because it cost us a hundred dollars every time we went to the movie theater and we couldn't really do much of anything so I, I started accumulating these video clips that I thought were really relevant to biblical manhood and I wrote them down on a piece of paper and to be completely honest the first time we ever did an event I actually had to go to a video uh, blockbuster video store and rent the DVDs that's how long ago this was and we, we went to, I've got a, I had a friend who was a, a, a TV studio guy, and we ripped all the content that we needed, and we sanitized it for language, and then we, we burned them all onto a master DVD. And the first time I ever did a Rough Cut Men event, it was on a master DVD. But I think more so, uh, the reason I love the videos is men are visual, and it, it's hard to overlook uh, airplanes and battle scenes and, and sport and the things that are really relevant in, in the lives, at least me, um, that, but that's not the, that's not the real linchpin that kind of holds the whole thing together. Really what, what holds it together is authenticity and transparency, uh, that starts kind of begins and ends with me, the speaker. Um, a lot of guys can smell out a, a fraud pretty quickly from the platform. So I'm very transparent and open about my failures in life. Uh, I have five kids, but only two of them are biologically mine. I met the Lord as a result of losing a marriage and uh, really destroying the marriage. Uh, God is a God of second chances, so I got a, uh, another chance to be married and, and picked up three kids in the bonus round. And as I went through life, there's a lot of mistakes that I've made. I was a prodigal son for a number of years. My son has been a prodigal son. Uh, so I've dealt with a lot of a lot of issues that men deal with. I've been borderline bankrupt. Uh, all the all the issues that men deal with, I come at 
from a perspective of I've, I've probably been there. And when I am that transparent, what it basically does is it gives every man in the room permission uh, to be real with each other. To, to They don't have to put on their game face and pretend to be something that they're not or act as if everything is okay. Uh, they're amongst friends who are equally as derailed in a lot of cases, relationally, maritally, financially. And so it basically gives a man permission to be real. And once we get to real and there's trust there, that's when the relationship really starts to open. And that's how, uh, to use a biblical model, that's how a David would find a Jonathan. Well, when we talk men and this closed nature of who we are, this perhaps a mask that we wear uh, that hides something of what is the authentic heartbeat of where we might be at as individuals. Uh, This is something that you've got to somehow overcome because in church life, there might be an image of the man in church being uh, the perfect righteous man. But uh, of course, you and I know that's not necessarily the case. Uh, Very few of those who've uh, led a life that's been in that mold of perfect righteousness, uh, everyone is a, a work in progress. We're all being shaped along this journey that we're on. And so meeting men at the beginning, at the raw man, exposing those sorts of opportunities for people to be authentic, that's a really powerful thing. I want to come back to uh, something really, really important that I mentioned in the introduction, the thought that there are men who have lots of acquaintances but no real friends. So if you haven't got a real friend, you haven't got someone who's going to be a battle buddy, you haven't got someone who you can be accountable with. So starting with that's got to be a pretty important place. It's, it's, and it's really very true. And I was one of those guys. And I have a life that was three decades deep without God. And one of the things that I've noticed, at least you know, I'm, I'm not a, a, a church veteran, so I've noticed... And uh, as I've spent the last 20 some odd years in the church, that a lot of what we do is not conducive to creating long term relationships. Uh, Most churches, at least here in the States, have a men's ministry or they technically call it that. But really what it boils down to is it's Saturday morning, burnt breakfast, two testimonies and a prayer. And it's about 45 minutes long, and then we all go back to our normal lives. And that is not conducive to creating long-term relationships. Uh, The real key to transition from an acquaintance to a friend is a very simple word, and that's time. Uh, Time develops trust. If I'm not spending time with you, I'll never trust you. I've been burned by enough people in my life that there's absolutely no way uh, I'm going to uh, just inherently trust you unless we spend time together. And the more time we spend together, uh, the more likely it will be that I will trust you over that time. And then a relationship will form. Uh, but it can't be done a meeting once a month. And I think that's why one of the things that I try to do is put the onus, the burden of meeting back on the guys and say, look, you know, if you're going to go fishing, if you're going to go play golf or whatever it is that you like to do, Take somebody with you. Um, And as the time goes on, conversations will go from, uh, I follow the North Queensland Cowboys, so, you know, how about about those Cowboys? Um, 
it goes from a, a, a superficial centimeter deep, hundred meter wide conversation to something much deeper. Uh, because I now have developed a modicum of trust with you that I didn't have before. And as, uh, as the, as the guy who leads the event, one of my primary responsibilities is to begin to kind of be a catalyst to show just how easy it is to form those relationships and then encourage the man, Hey, before you leave, uh, make a date with somebody, go do something, go grab coffee, whatever it is that you like to do, just take somebody with you, um, and be intentional about it. Because again, most men don't have someone that they can call at two o'clock in the morning when their adult daughter doesn't come home, you know, and those are those times when we really need somebody. Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, 1-800-316-316. To join in our conversation today, we are talking about men with David Jusek, who is our guest. He leads Rough Cut Men, keynote speaker at a Men's Summit 23 coming up 20th of May, Bondi in Sydney. And I'll tell you how you can register for that. But 1-800-316-316. David, there might be some who are thinking, well, here we are hearing from an American ministry and we're talking about Australian men you said you've been here a lot of times but some people might have this thought that there must be some sort of disconnect between American men and Australian men perhaps you've been here enough times to have a a way you can bring a comparison uh, are there any differences well frankly not really and it's it's interesting too that um, my last trip I was in um, Warwick in Queensland and I did an event in November and several of the guys came up to me and said, you know, we really don't have a whole lot of men's ministry structure in Australia. And God really burdened me with, okay, how can we serve, especially the underserved areas in Australia, the ones that are outside of Melbourne, Sydney, Adelaide, Brisbane, and even Perth to get outside of the major metropolitan areas and reach the Townsvilles and the Warwicks and uh, some of these smaller areas. Uh, but back in 2018, I did the Salvos Men, uh, the Salvation Army, uh, for all three states. We did uh, Queensland, New South Wales, and Victoria, and there were five to 600 men at each one of them. And as I was speaking, it became really clear that there are very few differences. We are here in the States dealing, we're dealing with isolation, friendlessness, marriage, raising kids, sometimes raising adult kids. Um, I have a special needs adult kid, so that's a whole different arena. I've, I'm a stepfather, so that is also a whole different arena. Uh, we all deal with financial issues, uh, the economy, uh, not making enough money. I mean, all of these things are are prevalent in both of our countries. So there's really, a, surprisingly, not a lot of difference other than I talk funny, or you do, depending on who you talk to. <laughs> we have different accents but by and large, uh, other than us driving on one side of the road and you driving on the other side of the road, there's not a whole lot of difference between men in Australia and men in the United States. And it's become really clear more and more, even with the guys that I speak to in New Zealand, I've spoken at Promise Keepers New Zealand several times, uh, not a lot of differences there either. Uh, we're all dealing with the same struggle and a lot of it centers around isolation. Uh, isolation is really the linchpin uh, are the catalyst that can throw everything else off. Isolation leads to addiction, depression, you name it, divorce. 
Um, so really, I think guys are the same. Okay, I haven't well, seen any difference. Addiction, depression, divorce, and leading on to uh, that word we often uh, cringe about, but it really is quite relevant, uh, suicides. And these are challenging yeah. issues that men are facing today. And you might recognize that you're on a trajectory to the worst parts of what life can throw up to you. Uh, intervention, it might mean just coming along to an event, uh, perhaps like the one you're going to be speaking at, or accessing some YouTube clip, or I know you've got a video series that speaks yeah. into men's hearts. Uh, the thought of an intervention, because uh, there'll be some listening right now who are saying, well, either I'm on this trajectory towards something dreadful, or I know a man who is in my life who is on that trajectory, uh, the intervention itself, how powerful can it be just getting these sorts of resources, these sorts of messages into a man's life? Uh, it's critically important um, because, again, isolation really opens the door to everything else. Uh, suicide, divorce, uh, addiction, everything from controlled substances to computer issues. I mean, I've seen it. In all the years I've been in ministry, I've, I've seen it all. Um, but most of the time, men just don't feel as if they have anyone that they can turn to. And I think that's really where it, where I, I deal with this a lot in the U.S. military, where uh, in, in about 2012, we were seeing one active duty soldier every 18 hours taking their life. Uh, right now in the United States, it's it's roughly 22 veterans a day who are committing suicide. Um, and that is just a sign of abject hopelessness. And most of them just don't have anybody to reach out to. Um, guys are not going to arbitrarily pick up the phone and, and call a phone number if they're running on the ragged edge. They're not going to call their pastor for fear of judgment or rebuke or reproach. Uh, most men don't have that. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so important that we as a, as a systemic church uh, give guys permission. First of all, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. And to, and to give guys permission to be transparent and real without the fear that they're going to become the topic of uh, a prayer meeting. Because <laughs> so many times I've seen this happen where uh, it's not a prayer, it's, it's gossip but it's masked in, in the likeness of prayer uh, for somebody. And then they've been blacklisted from the church and now they really are alone. So I think that's another thing that we really need to work on as a, as a, as a church, as a whole, but as men, it is battles are not won when you put a hundred thousand soldiers in class A uniforms on a parade ground with all the flags and pomp and circumstance, the battles are won uh, in these two-by-two two formations out in the middle of a jungle or wherever else you might be in a fight. And the Bible says that we have an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And we need to begin fighting as if we have this enemy that wants to take us out because the enemy of our souls has figured out if you take out a man, get him isolated, take out that man, you can ruin the marriage, the kids, and the generational legacy that comes after him. It's like one shot, multiple generations of kill. And we have to do something to combat that. And the, and the lead into that is to de-isolate, to get friends around us. 
We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Sue in Kingston in Tasmania. Hi, Sue. Welcome. Oh, hello, Neil, and hello, David. Um, I hello, just uh, a short while ago switched into this, and um, I heard you ask the question, Neil, are Australian men different to American men? And David responded that virtually no, there's no difference. But I would uh, raise the question of the um, heritage, like we have a convict heritage that's only 230 years old, the invasion of uh, the Aboriginal lands. We have Indigenous and non-Indigenous men. And so there are many cultural differences. There's also the historical differences. And Australia has been a very brutal country um, with the origin based on a lot of terribly unjust backgrounds. And I guess as one who has an ancestral grandmother who started our family here as a convict from Scotland, the histories are very different. So that has certainly compounded what's going on here with domestic violence. Sue, you raise some very important points here and it would be a mistake for us to say Aussie men because everyone will have a unique way of characterising what an Aussie man is and with this comparison to American men and we might have our own thought too that comes to mind when we characterise what all American men are like and they're no doubt (laughs) very different as well. But there are some... Uh, differences, uh, whether it's Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander Australians, uh, the migrant population of Australia, uh, people who have fled war-torn countries as refugees and they've come to a place like Australia. There are lots of brutal stories that we might be able to go into around uh, Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander people or people who've arrived on our shores from other nations. All men grouped under one heading might not be an easy thing for us to actually ascertain. But David, what are your thoughts here for Sue? As she's reflecting on the fact that there are men coming from different cultural backgrounds oh, and yeah. they have special differences. I, I'm I'm very familiar with Australian history because it's something that I just have always been very fond of. And I think that I, in my experience with casual conversation, there's a very stark misperception about American men as well, uh, that we're all exactly the same cookie cutter. Uh, we're not, um, we're a very diverse nation of uh, a whole lot of people that melted together, uh, during an industrial revolution. So we're kind of the same in terms of that. And frankly, we have indigenous people here as well that, were originally here before we were. So I get that too. I guess my, my, my statement should be refined to say that the, the men that I have met in the church, both, um, both indigenous Australian and, uh, in New Zealand with the Maori people as well. Um, we're all dealing culturally with the same struggles. Uh, now some of those are obviously much greater uh, based upon where you came from or whether you are a refugee from a, a violent overthrown country, obviously those are going to be significantly different. But by and large, the men that I have met here that are dealing with, or uh, that I've met in Australia are dealing with very similar issues to the vast majority of 
mainstream men uh, here in the United States, the guys that are married, trying to raise a family, trying to pay their mortgage, trying to keep fuel in their car so that they can drive to work with the ever escalating prices and all of that stuff is very similar. That was really just to refine my statement. Uh, and Neil, you're right. It, it, you can't you can't broad brush Australian men any more than you can broad brush American men. <clears throat> Sue, a wonderful insight. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. thought that does come to mind, though, and even around this military theme, is that one of those things that has forged an Australian character for manhood and will be commemorating this just a few weeks away, our Anzac Day, where Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander, migrant and uh, convict heritage Australians fought together alongside one another in the trenches at Gallipoli. There's something in this military uh, metaphor that we're talking about today that actually is at a point of time in our own history something that has forged something of what manhood does and mateship does. Very quickly, David, because it's nearly news time, thoughts on the fact that there are national times when we do fight together and that might be something that binds us together spiritually as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, I've seen some of the most, the craziest conflicts among personalities in a barracks and on an army base uh, but knowing that if you put those same gentlemen in harm's way, uh, they have one mission, and that's to make it back to their forward operating base alive together. Um, so all differences are set aside, regardless of whether they're physical differences in appearance or whether they're political differences. Nothing matters uh, when you're in the midst of, of a fight, just like Anzac Day celebrates, and just like um, our Veterans Day here in the state celebrates as well. Hey, David, before we take some more calls and 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today, let me ask you about this word battle because, uh, you know, the thought of battle, I think we as Christians know what we're talking about. There are some opponents of Christianity that like to take that out of context and say, oh, they must be forming some sort of battle-ready militia, <laughs> ready to take up arms. Uh, what are your thoughts around this word battle and how important it is to recognize what we mean by that as Christian believers? Well, I, I think uh, to start with, I have to say that you know, deep in the DNA of, of every man, uh, is the desire to, to belong to something greater than himself. Uh, we, we've talked about this before the break, where there's really, uh, when when people go into a fight, when a military goes into a fight, it doesn't matter where you're from or what color your skin is or what language you speak, uh, you're fighting for a single cause. And I think that because we are inherently just created uh, to fight for our marriages, fight for our kids, uh, fighting, I use that term loosely, but to defend. We, are, we have an inherent, uh, God-given, just innate instinct uh, to defend our wives, defend our kids, and so on. Um, and knowing that the Bible says that we have an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy, Peter says he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, that when I say we're in a battle, uh, we're in a struggle, and we're in a fight, and we're in a fight for our marriages. We're in a fight for our children. We're in a fight for all of that. And it's not a weapons fight. Uh, our weapons are, are spiritual weapons. So it's not, you know, picking up a, a, an actual weapon. Um, so the battle, when you look at, uh, for example, Jonathan in the Bible, who was David's best friend, he loved David as much as he loved himself. And 
vice versa. I was just actually reading because uh, in my through the year plan, I happen to be right about at the time when Jonathan is about ready to charge a hill uh, and his armor bearer says, you know, do whatever you're going to do. I'm with you, heart and soul. And that's the kind of brotherhood that we men need because we can't use our wives as our emotional dumping ground. We can't use our kids as our emotional dumping ground. We can't use a bottle or an addiction as our, uh, as our dumping ground. We need uh, other guys in our life to talk through some of the tougher issues that we're dealing with. And uh, if you're over the age of about five years old as a guy, you're dealing with struggles, whatever those struggles might be. I call them battles because I believe that some of the best ways to combat the tactics of the enemy of our souls is to approach it from an almost combat-related mindset where you put on the full armor, where you make sure that you have someone with you at all times in the fight, that you have all the supplies that you need, that you're focused on the mission, that you know who you're following, Jesus. You know who your commander is. You know you know that, that, that he is uh, our source. He is a source of our strength and everything else that we have in our lives. And then we go into these fights, so to speak, or these battles, knowing, first of all, that the battle's already been won at the end of the, we've read the end of the book, uh, but that we, in the meantime, need to defend what God has blessed us with so that the world doesn't come in and snatch them out of our hands. Uh, I've had five kids go to university, or four kids go to university, and it's a whole different world. Uh, you raise them up, and hopefully when you send them out the door, they are prepared um, to defend their faith. Hand in hand with that word battle comes the word aggression. And uh, that, if you're a woman uh, thinking aggression, you might even be fearful of that. Contextualizing that sort of aggression that comes along with being the man that'll stand in the battle, this is an aggression that's on behalf of, of the women in our lives, in the, of the children, the sons and the daughters right. that we have. How do you actually just uh, you know, portray this idea? We're in a battle, and this is not a time to be mamby-pamby, weak right. and limp-wristed. This is a time for actually letting that aggression rise so you can fight for the right cause. Yeah. Well, re- real warriors run into the danger when everybody else is running out. You know, that's, that's really a, a, an all-encompassing statement, but... Um, one of my favorite guys in the Bible is, is actually um, Joseph because he wasn't really a war fighter. He, <laughs> he was just he was just a kid and he ended up being kind of backdoored by his own brothers and sold into slavery and he had every right to, to, to do whatever he wanted to with them when he ultimately ran into them again later on in life, but he did not. He was gracious and, and forgiving. Uh, but he was also second in command in Egypt and he could have had anything that he wanted and done anything that he wanted, but there was a level of humility in him, in his leadership uh, that made him very special, at least to me in the Bible. So when, when people talk about biblical manhood, there are guys like Daniel who absolutely refused uh, to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar. He said, you know, I'm not going to defile myself by even eating the king's food. And at the end of the day, you know, the, the guy's at the window three times a day praying uh, for his nation. And in all, there was no, there wasn't a sword in, in the picture uh, in either Joseph or Daniel. So biblical manhood doesn't necessarily mean you need to be like a King David uh, who's swinging a sword. There are a lot of 
of of guys in the Old Testament and the New Testament that were the picture of just abject humility. And Jesus himself was could have done anything he wanted when he was hanging on that cross, but in all humility, he gave up his spirit because he knew that the mission was greater than one man. He knew what he was there, what he was here on earth to do. And I think if we look at as as biblical men, if we look at biblical manhood that way, and we use Jesus as our as our lead, and lead in humility, then we become very easy to follow. Uh, when when the Bible says that men are spiritual leaders, I've found that a lot of guys become very dominating and say, well, it's my way or the highway, woman. And that's not uh, true spiritual leadership. My wife, Joni, follows me for some unknown reason, um, follows me because she knows that I wake up every morning and I spend time with God and I'm getting my guidance from him. And that's biblical manhood. It's not weaponizing yourself or or fighting for absolutely no reason. You defend you defend your family on your knees. That's that's the best way to do it. We're taking calls one 316 Let's take a call from Peter in Yamber in New South Wales. Hi, Peter. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Um, I just want to talk about men's breakfast. We have um, our church, New Life Church in Grafton, New South Wales. We have um, men's breakfast on the first Saturday of every month at seven thirty in the morning. And um, we normally get an average turn-up of about 22, 24 people, and uh, young and old and uh, middle-aged and um, workers, retired. Um, that uh, and We find that very beneficial. I found it, I've been going there for some time now, and I find it very beneficial. I've made new friends there. Um, you know, we get a full, well, we get what I've termed the best uh, big breakfast in the country, we get that they cook us the breakfast up there for us, and um, we uh, have a message given by somebody, um, normally one of the pastors of the church, and um, we also have testimonies and uh, different things like that. So, you know, I think that's a beneficial thing too. We we have a church there, and I've made friends. Which last weekend the uh, ladies had a place down Coffs Harbour they went to for an event. So I went and spent time with a couple of friends there because I don't drive. And um, so I was able to uh, spend time with a couple of friends that I'd made at Peter, Men's Breakfast. Peter, great to hear your insights and uh, to hear about the Men's Breakfast that you've got going there each month in uh, in Grafton. Uh, uh, sorry, Yamba. Uh, but it, uh, let no, in I, I thought of, in Grafton. In, in, okay, in Grafton. okay. So, all right, that's yeah, fabulous. I live in Yamba. Yeah, I live in Yamba, but I travel to Grafton for it each month. They're obviously and great men's breakfast uh, because you're travelling distance to actually be oh, yeah. there, and I'll bet you wouldn't want to miss one. Hey, uh, David, uh, no. your thoughts here for Peter? Well, first of all, I want to come to Grafton because I love a good brekkie. Uh, but I think that one of the things that we've seen from, and that's awesome, and I've, I have encountered a lot of churches that have really, really, uh, really, really good sustainable breakfast. Um not so much wide age demographics. A lot of them are the same guys that come every week. But I think if I think as part of an integrated system, breakfasts are great. Uh, I think when they become the only thing that the church has for men, uh, that's when we start relying too much on the church and not enough on relationship. And we don't expect anybody to do anything other than show up one Saturday a month. Now, as part of an integrated system, I think they're great. Um, I think it's an opportunity to get together and regale each other with tales from 
from the spiritual battlefield, so to speak, over the last month, what God's done in your marriage, what God's done with your kids. Um, but to have you know, small groups obviously integrated into that as well. I mean, that's when uh, when churches really do well when they're ministering to men, when they have a wide demographic of ages. Uh, some are serving as ushers, greeters, worship team, you name it. Others are leading small groups. Some of them are coaching sport, but they're all doing it under the, of the overarching umbrella of Jesus and then over the underarching leader, overarching leadership of the church. Then that system is really great. I think one of the things we're seeing, at least here in the States, is it's become nothing but a breakfast. You go onto a website for a church, you click on men's ministry, and that's it. Uh, if uh, the website may say under construction or coming soon, uh, or they say, hey, we meet at this restaurant uh, the first Saturday of every month, then then we start getting to the point where we're not connecting men well, well enough. Because any married guy knows that if you took your wife out on the first Saturday of the month, and that was the only date you ever had, and then you picked her up on the Saturday, the first Saturday of the following month. Uh, I know my wife wouldn't have married me if she spent <laughs> one hour a month with me. Uh, I couldn't get enough of her, so I had to be around her all the time. And I think if we model our ministries the same way, where, hey, I'm going fishing, uh, I'm going to take somebody with me. Uh, uh, hey, I'm going to take the boat out. I want somebody to go with me. Here in Florida, we do a lot outdoors. Uh, we're the golf capital of the world, um, it seems like. And so everybody's got an, everybody has the opportunity to do things with other people. But the breakfast, that's awesome uh, and powerful. They can, be, they can be a great time. If that's all we do, then, then we're going to get ourselves into our trouble because guys are just not going to connect. There'll be no relationship. Okay, the breakfast is just a starting point. Peter and Yamba, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join our conversation. Let's take another call. Bernie is in Kyabram in Victoria. Hi, Bernie. Welcome. Hello, how are you? Very good. What are your thoughts? I've got it on speakerphone. Is that all right? We can hear you. Okay. Yeah, um, our church has got the men's breakfast. That's all it's got for men. Um, the... Yeah, and it's just pretty, it makes it stale. That's why you go to breakfast, you listen, you go, and that's the only sort of relational stuff um, that happens there. Um, and I see that in a lot of churches. And um, with, you know, like you're saying about the battle of the mind, I believe it starts in with um, blokes. It's like that's why there's so much scripture you know, relating to uh, war and the battle of you know, the mind and. Um, that appeals to men, and it's like this society today is all about emasculating men um, and disabling their roles in life, and uh, you kick up about that, and you you know the um, Japanese saying that oh, I was a Japanese proverb is um, the nail that sticks up gets hammered down. Uh, even in the churches, it's like. Oh, don't be too extra, extreme. It's like, don't talk about this. Talk about what, you know, everybody else in a conservative way. It's like, don't, you know, kick against the goes or whatever it is. Um, and I see that more and more. And in society today, it's like with all the wokeness and political correctness, and I speak up against it. And even people who are against it, um, especially in church, oh, you know, don't offend anybody. And what I say is crap. You know, it's like, 
God Bernie, you're Don't making some out. really good, strong points here, and uh, there's got to obviously be sensitivities, but you do need to have that certain battle buddy that you can actually talk about these things with. David, what are your thoughts here for Bernie? I, I couldn't agree anymore uh, in a lot of respects with what you're saying, um, and I think that you are probably in the vast... Uh, representing uh, the the majority demographic of guys that I talk to both here in the States and in Australia and New Zealand as well, that um, there's, there's just not that much available. So I would suggest to you, uh, Bernie, is that his name, Bernie? Uh, I, I would suggest to, to, to any listener who's frustrated with a lot of that stuff is, Take it. Take the onus. You know, take the burden on your own shoulders and, and start a small group. You know, get three, four blokes to come over to your house, um, and and go through something. I've got. I've written several books. There's. I've got a video series. But there's all. There's a whole bunch of men's resources out there uh, that'll that are short term. You know, it's six, eight weeks. We're going to get together. We're going to we're going to throw some food on the Barbie in the backyard, and we're going to we're going to meet for a while. Uh, and it's not, it's never, it's never the, it's never what we're doing. It's who we're with. So a lot of times you can, you do something short term and just have a conversation. Um, and then that gives you, you're equally yoked with the guys in the room. You can talk about whatever you want to. Um, and I would always, I always tell anybody in the church, you know, from a political standpoint, from all the stuff that's swirling around us, all of those things are a gigantic distraction to take us off of the mission of leading people to Jesus. Uh, every bit of it. I've seen more division in the church than outside of the church when it comes to everything from mass vaccines, you name it, politics, they're all coming up onto the forefront and the enemy's got us all chasing our tails in circles and at the same time we've lost the Great Commission in the process. So it gives us an opportunity to refocus when we're hanging out with a bunch of guys to focus on what's really important. My mom and dad are not saved. To me, that's huge. That's far more important than anything that's happening uh, politically in my neighborhood. And I live in Florida, so I'm like in the political capital of the world right now. So, <laughs> yep. but we just don't. I just don't. I just can't afford to focus. Time is short. Now, when Jesus is coming back, we need to focus on. on we got a major on the majors. Wonderful. Bernie, thank you so much for your call. We'll put a line under any calls now, uh, running short of time. Let me ask you here, David, because some will be saying, great, we've got this idea that men need to make new friends, get together, uh, confront even these deeper issues around our marriages, addictions, uh, even the sorts of thoughts we might have, the battles that go on in the mind, uh, those things that are really, really deep and concerning. Some will be saying, what difference does the God factor make, the Christ-centered spirituality some might be thinking we can get together and do those man things, uh, but we could leave the God stuff on the side. What is this dimension, this Christ-centered spirituality? What difference is that going to make to me as a man and in the friendships that I'll be building? I think that, and I can only speak for myself because I'm a subject expert on me. Um, I can tell you that when I spent time in Paul's writings to the Ephesians, specifically Ephesians 5, when I spent time in 1 Peter 3, and I started learning what it meant to be a godly husband, keeping in mind that 
I didn't have, God wasn't invited to my first marriage, nor was he invited to my divorce. So when I had this new opportunity, um, it was all, it, it had to be Christ-centered because the way that I was doing it wasn't working. And I think that when we, when we bring in the, the word of God into everything that we do, then it helps as a guide, it's a series of guideposts for us to measure our success. Because if you don't have, you can't determine measurable success if you don't have some sort of a, of a, of a framework by which to, to determine whether you're successful or not. And so bringing Jesus in and having and praying that he turns the heart of stone into flesh and praying that he tempers our words, because I have a hot temper and I have a mouth that uh, I say I've got a ready, fire, aim mouth. It comes out of my mouth, and I'm like, ah, I probably shouldn't have said that, but it's already on its way uh, towards my wife or one of the kids, and we end up what my mom calls sowing seeds of regret. It's like I probably shouldn't have said that, and now I'm going to spend the next two weeks digging myself out of what I shouldn't have said. And if I had just prayed first and said, Lord, give me the right words to say, it would be different. So the God factor is everything in biblical manhood, in, in, in manhood in general, in being a husband, being a father, being a wise steward of the money that we're given, uh, being a, 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 a worker who does everything for the Lord, whether we like our boss or not. And what that ends up doing is it makes us so appealing to other people that they say, man, how do you stay so calm in a world that's falling apart? And that gives us the opportunity to say, well, let me tell you why. Wonderful stuff. David, we've got to draw attention to how people can connect with you. And I know there'll be some listening, uh, those listening in the Sydney region and uh, around New South Wales, thinking you might like to make a, a, trip, a trip to Sydney to be a part of Men's Summit 23. That's coming mm -hmm. up on the 20th of May. You are flying into Australia for that event. You're the keynote speaker uh, you're a keynote speaker at men's conferences around the world, and uh, yeah. some of your books have opened up some tremendous doors for you. Uh, you're the author of Rough Cut Men, A Man's Battle Guide to Building Relationships with Each Other and with Jesus. Uh, the event that you are going to be speaking at in Sydney is going to be on a church in the marketplace Oxford Street, Bondi Junction in Sydney. And for listeners, you can register for that at an Eventbrite site, eventbrite.com.au. Uh, you'll find a link there for the Men's Summit 23. You can connect directly with David at roughcutmen.org. That's roughcutmen.org. I mentioned the Rough Cut Men book. There's another book too you might want to get a hold of, The Battle. Tactics to Biblical Manhood Learned from the 7th Cavalry in Vietnam. We did also mention a video series, Who Has Your Six? A video series designed for the U.S. Army Chaplain Corps worldwide to combat soldier isolation, domestic violence, alcoholism and the ever-increasing suicide rate. There's lots of issues and topics and really great insight uh, when you connect with David Dusek, D-U-S-E-K. David, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your hearts uh, with our listeners today on 2020. Neil, God bless you. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.